but art in the midst of us. We are called by thy name, leave us not. Thus saith the Lord unto this people, thus have they loved to wander. They have not refrained their feet, therefore the Lord doth not accept them. He will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. Then said the Lord unto me, pray not for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. When they burn, burnt offerings and oblation, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. Then said I, our Lord God, behold, the prophets say unto them, ye shall not see the sword, neither shall ye have famine. But I will give you assured peace in this place. Then the Lord said unto me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name, and I sent them not, yet they say sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine shall these prophets be consumed. And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword, and they shall have none to bury them them their wives nor their sons nor their daughters for i will pour their wickedness upon them therefore thou shalt say this word unto them let mine eyes run down with tears night and day and let them not cease for the virgin daughter of my people is broken with a great breach with a very grievous blow if i go forth into the field then behold the slain with the sword and if i enter into the city then behold them that are sick with famine Yea, both the prophet and the priest go about into a land that they know not. Hast thou utterly rejected Judah? Hast thy soul loathed Zion? Why hast thou smitten us? And there is no healing for us. We looked for peace, and there is no good, and for the time of healing, and behold trouble. We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against thee. Do not abhor us for thy name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of thy glory. Remember, break not thy covenant with us. Are there any among the vanities of the Gentiles that can cause rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Art not thou he, O Lord God? Therefore we will wait upon thee, for thou hast made all these things. You know, the central theme uh, of this chapter uh, is the drought that has absolutely devastated the land. And again, this functions as another object lesson. If you remember, there were varying object lessons like the linen girdle and uh, Jeremiah 13, and uh, this drought functions as another object lesson. And the word dearth in verse 1 is actually in the plural. So this could mean that there had been many droughts, so drought after drought after drought, or it could stress the severity and intensity of this existing drought. You know, we can break this chapter up into five parts. Okay, here is an outline. We see the destructive drought in verses 1 to 6, the deceitful declaration in verses 7 to 9, the divine denial in verses 10 to 12, the disapproved defense in verses 13 to 16, and the deep devastation in verses 17 to 22. And uh, where I'd like to focus tonight is primarily on the disapproved defense and this is all about the false prophets so i want to give an overview of the text uh, to set the context but i don't want to focus on the judgment too much tonight 
although that is the primary focus of the text, because I feel as though there has been a lot of attention devoted to judgment already, and there's a lot more judgment to come. So I'd like to use this text to focus on the dangers of false teachers. So that's where we're heading tonight. Uh, but before we get there, uh, let's pray and ask for God's help. You know, Father, as we come to your word, uh, we come humbly knowing that we need uh, to hear from you. Uh, and we know uh, that we need your help to be able to understand and apply the word. Uh, thank you for, for the Holy Spirit that uh, you have given to us, and uh, may we be receptive uh, to his work. We ask this in Jesus' name, and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Oh, drought is not something that affects us uh, too much in Sydney, uh, but it is absolutely devastating in an agricultural society. And, uh, you know, this chapter begins by painting a very grim and gruesome picture. Now, no doubt... Uh, many of these people had experienced droughts previously. I'm sure there had been stories passed on from generation to generation about severe droughts in prior times. But this seemed to be one of the worst in their history. And this drought was affecting everybody. And none were immune from its consequences. Even the rich, in verse 3, they were unable to get water. Their servants searched in vain. In verse 4, the farmers were unable to grow their crops. Okay, the gates, that's referenced in verse 2, this was where commercial and business transactions were conducted. They were empty. And even the animals were affected. The hind, which is a female deer, she was actually known to be a devoted mother. Okay, and yet she abandoned her young. She was unable to care for it. That's verse 5. And then the donkeys, which are known to be a very durable animal, they too couldn't handle it. That's verse 6. So the society was brought to its knees. Okay, it's impossible to survive, yet alone flourish without water. Now, two observations about this drought. Number one, drought was promised for covenantal unfaithfulness. Okay, drought had been threatened for disobedience. In fact, it's a part of the covenant curses. And rain had been promised if the people were obedient. Okay, Jeremiah chapter, not Jeremiah, Deuteronomy rather, chapter 11, okay, verses 13 to 17 encapsulates this. It says this, And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thy oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, lest ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Okay, so we see here when the people were faithful in fulfilling their covenant obligations, the Lord would bless them. He, he would give them the required rain, enabling them to thrive. But if they neglected their covenant obligations, and notice idolatry is actually highlighted in this text, the rain would be withheld. So this drought in Jeremiah 14 is God's promised 
judgment for their covenantal unfaithfulness. And the second thing I want to point out is the ultimate irony of drought. As we know, idolatry was one of the pervading sins in Judah. And the chief deity that they pursued was Baal. And Baal was actually an agricultural god. And they believed that he was in control of the weather. And it was this that actually made him appealing to those in Judah. They were agricultural folk, which means if you're on the land, you're at the mercy of the weather. Hence, they thought if they could get on the good side of this god, he would give them rain. Now, here's the irony. They pursued this god for rain. So the Lord withholds the rain. So it's a bit like the ten plagues in Egypt. Each individual plague attacked a particular deity in their supposed sphere of influence. And this is what is happening in the text. Okay, this drought is proving the impotency of Baal. So, so bad uh, is this drought that the wicked people actually begin to plead with the Lord. And we see this in verses 7 to 9. Okay, one thing that's a little bit tricky uh, with this portion of scripture, uh, Jeremiah 14, is trying to determine uh, who's talking. Okay, is it the Lord? Is it Jeremiah? Okay, or is it the people? And if you were to read okay, varying commentaries, they will have different opinions on who is talking. Okay, so, so keep this in mind. Okay, but, but it seems to be that the people are talking here. And it's interesting that, that they've wanted nothing to do with the Lord. Okay, they had been incredibly unfaithful. They'd refused to repent. And yet now they expected the Lord to be available at their beck and call. Okay, they're very presumptuous. That They're just assuming that the Lord would immediately respond and remove his judgment. Okay, but this was denied by the Lord. Why? Well, because he knew they were insincere. They had had opportunity after opportunity to repent, and yet this had been refused. And even now, the Lord knew they only wanted the consequences removed. There's a big difference between genuine repentance and merely wanting the negative consequences removed. We need to understand that. They weren't repentant about the sin, and hence the request was denied. And again, we've seen this in our study previously, the Lord tells Jeremiah, don't pray for the people so this is a very bleak situation things don't get much worse your society is about to crumble you have nothing left and you're forsaken by god okay it doesn't get much worse and verse 12 promises the trifecta of judgment sword famine and pestilence so this is a hopeless predicament but what i want to focus on is what jeremiah did next In verse 13, he's speaking to the Lord and he brings up the false prophets. And this seems to be a defense of the people. It's as though he's saying, Lord, it's because of these false teachers that the people are like this. They they have swallowed the lie that these false prophets taught. So we should lay the blame on the false prophets, not the people. So this seems to be a defense but this is denied by the lord but i'd like to unpack what this teaches about false teachers okay there are numerous qualities to be found in this text that will help us to distinguish between false teachers 
and genuine teachers. And this is very important for us because the church has always been attacked by false teachers. Okay, this is one of Satan's go-to plays. If you read through the epistles, every single one has some kind of error that the writer is addressing. And we have been warned in scripture that the prevalence of falsehood will increase the closer we get to the return of Christ. And obviously we are much closer now than when that was written. And also with the explosion of the internet, okay, this has given a means to propagate falsehood like never before. Okay, with the click of a mouse, falsehood can be circulated worldwide. And hence, we as Christians, we need to be discerning. We need to guard our own hearts. We need to guard our homes and we need to guard our church. And this text has some qualities that I want to identify that will help you and I to recognize false teaching and false teachers. So the first thing is this. Be aware of the one who tells you what you want to hear. Okay, be aware of the one who tells you what you want to hear. Okay, notice in verse 13, the message that was being proclaimed by these lying prophets, it blatantly contradicted Jeremiah's preaching. Okay, they said, judgment's not coming. Guys, it's okay. You have nothing to fear. Verse 13, you shall not see the sword, neither shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. Okay, this is a deliberate undermining of the message that Jeremiah had been faithfully proclaiming. Jeremiah had been preaching, judgment is coming. If you don't repent, you will be judged. But these false teachers said, no, that's not going to happen. You, you will stay in peace okay, because you're God's people. Okay, and here's the point that I want to make. The message that the false teachers were preaching was a lot more pleasing to the people. It was favorable, it was beneficial, it was pleasant to the years. What would you prefer to hear? You're going to be judged, you're going to be smashed, you're going to be taken into captivity, or it's going to be okay. okay. You're just going to live in a time of peace. And the people flocked to the more pleasant message, and they rejected what Jeremiah was teaching. And here we have revealed a common tactic of false teaching. They will shape their message to be something that you want to hear, and will avoid speaking on things that will be confronting and offensive. I think one of the clearest illustrations of this is the prosperity gospel. Okay, who doesn't want to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous? That's a very appealing message. People want to hear such things, and hence people flock to it. So we need to be alert and aware of those who seem to constantly speak about pleasant and popular things. Those who itch the ears, as Paul goes on to say in one of his letters to Timothy. Okay, but be aware of those who, who merely tell us things that we want to hear. Okay, this is a sign that one could be a false teacher. For a true teacher will be willing to tell you the truth as revealed in God's word, even if it's not the easy message, and even if it's hard for you to hear. The second thing, false teachers often minimize or deny judgment. Okay, and this follows on from the previous point. What is it that they denied? Well, it was the reality of judgment. 
God won't judge your sin. Okay, Judah, you don't have anything to worry about. You don't have anything to fear. God won't judge. Okay, Jeremiah is just some old school guy. He's stuck in the past. He's just preaching judgment. He's trying to manipulate you through fear and trepidation. And it's interesting that nothing has changed when it comes to false teachers. And this is often one of the easiest ways to determine where one is at. What do they believe and what do they teach about hell and judgment? Because so many today, influenced by liberal theology, reject the notion that hell is a real place. Okay, they, they reject that God will eternally punish sinners. That They reason that, you know, this is repulsive. How can God be like that? Okay, they completely reject okay, the reality of hell, claiming it's completely incompatible with God. But what's interesting is that Jesus spoke more on hell than anyone else. Jesus taught a lot more about hell than he did heaven. Okay, this is a theme that appears constantly in his teaching. So one needs to do an awful lot of hermeneutical gymnastics to deny the existence and reality of hell. So if a teacher or preacher denies hell or strives to minimize it, okay, then they are a false teacher and they need to be Rejected because just like in the time of Jeremiah, judgment is a reality. The third thing we learn is that false teachers are often very deceptive. You know, it's clear uh, in the text that these teachers claim to be from the Lord. Okay, they were cunning and they were clever in their approach. And of course, they needed to be subtle. They needed to be shrewd in order to convince the people. And this is obvious in verse 14. The Lord here, he's responding to Jeremiah after he tried to defend the people by laying the blame at the feet of the false teachers. Okay, verse 14. Then the Lord said unto me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. Okay, what this verse reveals is that these false prophets obviously prophesied in the Lord's name. Okay, they obviously declared, thus saith the Lord. The Lord has spoken to us. And it seems likely that this would be something very similar to what Jeremiah claimed. So they declared that they had a word from the Lord. And they also maintained that they were sent by the Lord. And they probably had some elaborate and moving story to legitimize their claim. And what we learn from this is that falsehood is not always easy to detect. Okay, false teachers don't always stand out like a sore thumb. In fact, they often seem very legitimate. Because if it was too obvious, it would be very easy to reject. And it would be quite challenging to convince others. Okay, so don't expect that it will always be easy to identify, particularly early on when someone's endeavoring to establish their roots and hence it means that we need to be very discerning and super vigilant the fourth thing that we learn is that we need to compare everything that is said with other scriptures you know, in verse 14 the lord provided his assessment of what had been preached you know when i was in bible college we had to preach uh, in chapel normally preached about every second or third week 
And we would be critiqued by our fellow students. There was about eight students when I was there. And also by the lecturer. You'd be preaching away and you'd be watching your lecturer. And next minute he'd start writing frantically and be like, oh no, what did I say? Uh, but then it would be read out in front of the class. Okay, so that was often a little bit nerve-wracking. You would never know what was going to be said. But then I thought about that. Imagine your preaching being critiqued by God. This is what we have recorded before us. And his assessment is damning. Okay, he says, they prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their hearts. Okay, so we, we could explain this like so or summarize like so. Their message, what they was proclaiming, was man-made. It was invented in their wicked and deceitful hearts. And notice it mentions false vision. Okay, so, so this means that they were claiming direct revelation from God. But notice how the Lord describes it as divination, witchcraft. We could say it's a message from Satan, not from God. Okay, and if you ever hear someone say that I had a vision from God, every alarm bell should ring instantly. Okay? This is how every cult starts. If you trace back the beginnings of probably every cult, someone claims to have had a divine vision. Okay, God told me this, and the whole cult is built on that moment. Okay, so if somebody says that, someone tries to convince you of that, okay, run. Have nothing to do with it. Okay, if they're on church staff, endeavor to have them dismissed uh, or, or leave the church. If I ever say that, sack me. Okay, God doesn't give revelatory visions because his revelation is complete in the Bible. And we're also told that these false teachers, that they spoke from deceit of their hearts. So, so in other words, this was a man-made message. Okay, and this still happens. So how do we overcome this? Well, what we need to do is to compare everything that a teacher says with Scripture and see if what he says comes out of Scripture. Because understand, a preacher has no authority whatsoever if it doesn't come out of the Bible. Okay, that, that's the only authority that a preacher has. And usually what a false teacher will do, okay, this is one of their tricks, they will endeavor to build a doctrine from some obscure text of Scripture. So be very skeptical if one is trying to prove something from an unusual text with no other evidence. Okay, particularly if it seems to contradict other scriptures that are quite clear in their meaning. Okay, one of the golden rules of biblical interpretation, okay, if you study hermeneutics, you'll be taught this. Scripture is to interpret scripture and it can't contradict itself. And also less clear portions of scripture are to be interpreted in light of those that are more clear and obvious in its meaning. Okay, some portions of scripture are really, really clear what they mean. Okay, and that is to shed light back into the portions of scripture that aren't as clear, not the other way around. Okay, so you don't take an obscure text and then reinterpret everything back through that lens. Okay, that's breaking the laws of biblical interpretation. 
And yet this is one of the most common slides of hands employed by false teachers. So we need to be alert and aware of this as believers. Okay, number five. Can we see that false teachers are accountable? Okay, Jeremiah was trying to lay the blame on these false teachers. He felt as though they had blood on their hands and had played a key part in the wickedness of the people. And although the Lord denied this defense, okay, that this was not a reason to withhold judgment, okay, the people were certainly not innocent victims. But the Lord ensures Jeremiah that these lying prophets would be dealt with. Okay, they wouldn't escape. Notice verse 15. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name, and I sent them not, yet they say, sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine shall these prophets be consumed. So the Lord promises that these prophets would be punished. They would be held accountable. Okay, they would not get away. The Lord's chastening hand would fall upon them okay, because they had been unfaithful in their ministry. Okay, and in the church, Jesus is the good shepherd and those who seek to lead the sheep astray or wound the sheep will be dealt with by the shepherd. In fact, anyone who teaches and preaches will be held to a higher standard of accountability. Okay, James chapter 3 verse 1 says, My brethren, be not many masters or many teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Okay, preaching and teaching should not be taken lightly. It's not something to be taken trivially, but seriously. Okay, for they will be judged more strictly. It's like I expect a lot more from my five-year-old than I do my two-year-old with their behavior. And all preachers and teachers will be held to a higher standard. Okay, we need to remember that. And hence, false teachers will be held accountable. And I want to apply this in, in two ways. Okay, number one, all false teachers will be accountable. Okay? And that's a great comfort because on this earth, they can sometimes seem to get away with it and even thrive, have massive followings. But there's a time coming when Jesus will deal with it. And number two, this ought to act as a sober warning to ensure that one is faithful and true whenever they preach or teach. Okay? That we rightly divide the word of truth because we will be held to accounts and the standard will be more strict. Okay, that is a very sobering and strong warning. Okay, all false teachers will be held accountable. Number six, the adherents of false teaching are also accountable. Okay, the people were not regarded as innocent victims by the Lord. Okay, they were not without guilt. In fact, they were responsible... And they would be held accountable for receiving the message of the false teachers and rejecting the message of Jeremiah. Notice verse 16. It says, And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword, and they shall have none to bury them, them, their wives, nor their sons, nor their daughters, for I will pour their wickedness upon them. Okay, the people too were going to be held accountable for their response to falsehood and their rejection of the truth. 
Okay, and this reminds us that the hearers, that the audience have a duty too. Okay, they must do their due diligence and ensure that what they are listening to, what they are consuming is true and indeed good for them. Okay, that there's a personal responsibility for each and every one of us. And you know, we need to be like the Bereans. Okay, Paul preached to them and they received it with a ready and open mind. But we're told in Acts 17, 11, okay, I'm, I'm sure you probably know these verses. They searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Okay, so after Paul preached, they searched the scriptures to make sure what he said was consistent with the Bible. And remember, this is an apostle. Okay, th th this is Paul. And this is what they did. Okay, they wanted to confirm that everything that he said was consistent with and grounded in scripture. So we need to understand that we all have a responsibility. Okay, there's a corporate responsibility. We, we need to ensure that our church is not teaching falsehood. But there's also an individual responsibility. We need to be aware of what we are consuming. Okay, because the Lord will hold each of us accountable. And number seven, false teachers are usually focused on the kingdom of self. Now, it's evident that the false teachers in this text, they didn't care about God and his glory. Because we're given divine insight that confirms that these men, they were not sent by the Lord. They didn't speak God's message. It was all concocted in the deep, dark, deceitful reservoirs of their own heart. That's the message of verse 14. And the fact that they delivered the message that the people wanted to hear, it was a, a favorable message, one that was full of hope when that was not justified, seems to reveal that they were determined to gain a following. Okay, that they're far more concerned about their own kingdom than they were the kingdom of God. Whereas it's very clear that Jeremiah, uh, the true prophet, he was not concerned about his own kingdom. He was not concerned about his own following or his popularity. But what's very clear is that he loved the people and that he loved God. And he was very concerned about God's glory. And this is often a key indicator of a false teacher. Although it can be challenging to identify, especially early on. But if one seems to be far more concerned about his own image, his own brand, his own following than he does the Lord, okay? if the kingdom of self is a greater priority, if self-glory matters more than God's glory, then the alarm bells again need to be ringing. So the Bible has much to say about false teachers. And this text offers us some characteristics that we need to be aware of as this will help us to identify false teachers. Okay, and I want to apply this uh, in three different ways. So number one, okay, pray for your pastors. Okay, it's important that you pray regularly and fervently for your pastors. And one thing that you need to pray for, okay, a particular prayer point for us, is that we would not become false teachers. Okay, that, that we would be faith, faithful shepherds. We would rightly divide the word of truth and that we would also have the courage to confront any false teaching that poses threats 
to the people. So we, as your pastors, we do strive to be faithful to the scriptures, but we certainly need your prayers and we need God's help to ensure that we don't believe or teach error. We need to guard and defend sound doctrine. This is a part of our call. And I'd like to ask you to pray for us as we strive to be faithful to our calling. Number two is protecting the church. We all have a role to play when it comes to ensuring that our church does not succumb to false teaching. And this is especially true for church members. Okay, this is a part of your responsibility that we as a church remain faithful to the gospel and biblical doctrine. So if you feel as though that the public preaching okay, from this pulpit is in error, okay, if it contradicts what we believe according to our doctrinal statement, it's very important that you discuss that with the pastors. Okay, you have the liberty to speak with us about what we have preached. Okay, understand we are not above or beyond reproach, critique or correction. But likewise, and this is probably the way in which falsehood infiltrates a church most commonly. If someone is teaching something in Sunday school or a small group or on Friday nights or some other setting, and it seems to go against what we believe as a church, you need to notify the pastors instantly. And this needs to be dealt with swiftly. And also if someone is handing out books or, or literature and it looks a little bit shady that too is a very good thing to be aware of and to notify the pastors because often people pass around stuff subtly that undermines what a church believes and teaches so we all have a part to play in ensuring that our church is protected against false teaching and number three you need to watch your own consumption now, we live in a time like none other in that the internet has enabled us to have access to so much Bible teaching. And used well, that's a wonderful tool. But there are inherent dangers because there's a lot of bad Bible teaching online. Teaching that is obvious error. Some that is imbalanced and biased. Some that is wrong in more subtle ways. And hence we need to be very discerning about what we read and who we listen to. Now this doesn't mean that we can't listen to others who don't 100% agree with us. Okay? This isn't me saying you can only listen to Pastor Matthews and Pastor Brendan. Okay? I'm not saying that at all. But we do need to be careful. Okay? And you need to regulate what you watch on YouTube. What podcasts you listen to and the sermons you stream. You're very careful about what you put in your mouth, aren't you? There's some things you wouldn't put in your mouth. And we need to be very careful what we consume spiritually. Now, some practical wisdom on this. Don't just listen to one speaker. Because if you listen to your favorite speaker online, you will become like them. And that can be dangerous because they may have some false doctrine and errors you're not aware of. And if you keep listening to them over and over and over, you'll end up believing the same thing. And also, we need to understand that no one man is the ultimate authority. Okay? Often people will get a favorite website, a favorite author, or a favorite speaker, and they hold them up as the ultimate authority. And if what 
you know, I say doesn't come in line with them, then I'm wrong. Okay, it doesn't matter what the Bible says, it's what this person says. Okay, so, so we need to be aware of that. And remember also that the internet is not to replace the local church. Now, I understand there's people online that preach a hundred times better than me. I get that. Okay, but the Bible is very clear. You are to be in the local church. Because guess what? Your pastors here know you. Okay, that gifted guy in America, he, he doesn't know you. When your life falls apart, he's not going to come and help you, but your local pastor will. Okay, that's why the local church is so important. Okay, and the internet can't replace that. Okay, but we need to be really diligent, really discerning about what we're watching, reading, and listening to throughout the week. Because this is one of the greatest dangers for us as a church. And this is one of the greatest dangers for you as an individual when it comes to succumbing to false teaching. And hence, we need to be ultra careful and we need to understand and we need to know the true gospel, true Bible doctrine. Okay, We need to be grounded in that and guard against anything that undermines it. And this matters. Okay, that This is really important because Jesus loves the church. Okay, He died for the church and he's building the church and he wants his church to be pure he wants it to be pure morally he wants it to be holy but he also wants it to be pure doctrinally and churches that succumb to false teaching and error can often bring dishonor to christ and hinder his cause and we have been warned that false teaching will increase in the last days and hence for christ's sake and with his help may we as a church and may we as individuals be alert and aware of false teaching and strive for doctrinal purity and practice, all for the honor and glory of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I, I do ask that uh, you would help us uh, as the pastors of this church, help us to not succumb to error and help us to protect uh, this church from error help us to be faithful uh, as a church help us to all do our, our role well and uh, lord please help us particularly uh, as individuals uh, lord we have a a great privilege and that we have wonderful access to so much good uh, bible teaching and written material and yet there's a lot of bad stuff out there as well uh, so father please help us to be uh, discerning uh, in what we consume and uh, please uh, protect us, help us to be, uh, you know, doctrinally uh, pure as individuals and as a church. Lord, as we go our separate ways, please give us safety as we travel home. We ask this in Jesus' name.